Happy holidays. Scary Christmas Eve. I mean, I feel like the title speaks for itself. Does it not? It's Christmas, but it's scary. Scary games. It is Whistleblower. So it's the DLC for Outlast. I'm really excited. I think the DLC is just as good as the main game. We've watched a little over half of it so far. What are you thinking, Kathy? How is it? I mean, it's nice because I've gotten a bit used to the gore from watching part one of Outlast. So it's different kind of gory, though. I feel like this one is more... There's more torture scenes, but I don't know if I like one more than the other so far. It's just as frustrating because this guy could... He just made a dumb mistake, and I get why. Because that has to start the entire game. But should we just do out-of-context summary? Yeah, let's do it. In this episode, we get an earful, quite literally. We find out who might actually be drinking nipple blood. And we're pretty sure Helen not only confiscated finger paints, but some basketballs as well. We'll talk about it. So the game starts out, we meet the whistleblower who also happens to be the newest Wallrider patient, no surprise there. And chaos erupts in Mount Massive, giving our whistleblower a chance to escape, only to be confronted by many, many horrendous things. Anything you want to start off with, Kathy? Uh, my biggest reaction, I'll wait until after the ear-looking part. <sighs> yeah, so I, 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 there's no other way to say it. This game starts out with a, a good healthy dose of just what the hell. We're seeing the POV of a Wallrider patient, and uh, he gets his ear licked, does he not? I don't, I don't know why I'm hoping it's his ear, but for some reason that seems like the best case scenario. I don't know what you're thinking. It definitely is him licking the other guy's ear. It's my notes, word for word, what is wrong with him? And it seems like a normal thing for him to do, <laughs> but... It's just disturbing because there's one thing for just straight up torture and there's another thing to have another man completely lick half her face. So He's not alone in there. There's other employees and he's just doing this straight in front of them. Clearly this is just, it's fine. But anyway, while doctor employee guy breaks out the tongue, he, as, <laughs> as he's licking the patient's ear, he also tells him, open your eyes, you don't have to wake up but open your eyes so this is more confirmation that the treatment hinges on seeing this video and i think it's what was at the end of that exit interview video that miles saw i think that watching the video also it sounds like it's the beginning of the static and as time goes by then you see in terms of his point of view it's like this fuzziness that's happening. So this video has something to do with static. And then we learn that this uh, creepy earlicker guy, his name is Andrew. And we know it because someone says his name and then continues on to say, Hope made a lateral ascension. And Andrew earlicker responds, Billy Hope, shit, and they're not happy about it. So poor Billy must be in his fishbowl. What a lateral ascension is, I don't know, but apparently it's not good. So then we flash to two hours earlier, and this is when we meet the whistleblower, Wayland Park. He's typing up the email that we see Miles has at the start of the main game. So, Kathy, my first question, how does this affect your theory? 
I was a bit disappointed because I thought the email was from Wernicke or someone trying to get more people in to see the horror. And so this proves my theory wrong. <laughs> it's not a great feeling to know that your theory that you are so excited about is incorrect. But it does make sense. <laughs> but after going through some of the notes, I have a new theory. So I'll hold off until we get to that point. As he is sending this email, Waylon is summoned to the engine room where we ended the main game. And this is where we see Eddie Gluskin, who, Kathy, I know you're just going to love him. He's going to be the KFC. I'm calling it now. You're going to love him. Okay. <laughs> you see that right after he fixes the security camera. It's his first time Waylon, I think, recognizes the level of intensity when he watches the patient's face show up on the camera and... He's in so much pain. Yeah, and when Eddie Gluskin runs up to the window and he's like, you have to help me. I know you can help me. That probably shook him a little mm -hmm. bit. And I don't know. I feel like that would probably stick with you. It definitely stuck with Eddie. <laughs> but then Waylon goes back to get his laptop, at which point he's caught red-handed by the very annoying Jeremy Blair, who sends him off to become a wall rider patient. Waylon wakes up back in a chair where he has a private viewing of the wall rider video. And this is when we see a patient adjacent to him get just absolutely demolished by the wall rider. And so chronologically speaking, is this right after Waylon got his ear cleaning and the employees were talking about lateral ascension? Or do you think it's been more time since then? It seems unclear exactly how long, but my question is, Whatever this lateral ascension was, did it give Billy the power to release the wall rider? Then is that how all the poop hit the fan? So I do think that with the security alarms going off and everything, something must have triggered it. And I do think it has to do with Billy and the wall rider. So no one is when Waylon writes about how he realizes that he screwed up. You see that he's frustrated. So also mentioned in this note... And this is kind of my biggest question, but like I said, we'll keep talking about it. He says hours could have passed or weeks. So how long has it been since he got caught and admitted as a patient? Do you lose your sense of time as a wall rider patient? It seems like you might. Well, the main thing is you can't tell the difference between reality and whatever you're hallucinating. So how can you tell time when you don't know if one's real or not? And I think that's the issue. Mm -hmm. But I also don't like how reading that note, you realize that both Miles and Waylon are going to fail or have failed everything that they've done. It's irritating because if they just didn't involve themselves in this, it never would have happened. But then I mean, we would have no game to play. But it's just reading those notes makes me really frustrated that you think like that they're not doing anything good. <laughs> And so, but what, what would have happened if they didn't, you know what I mean? Someone might find Miles's camera and there's another note later on we'll talk about, but I think Waylon will have an impact as well. So it might just be necessary sacrifices to, to finally get some justice. And I understand your point of view, like they kind of underestimated the situation that they would put themselves in, but at the same time. It's going to take a lot to take these people down. And if you don't take them down, how are they going to keep compounding on their 
nastiness. Like, you know what I that mean? That is true. Someone has to do something at some point. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't play Outlast without a camera. But Waylon grabs one that was filming him and starts his escape attempt. People are being murdered. Left and right. The wall rider is flying around. It is pure chaos. And it explains so much of the aftermath that we saw playing as Miles. It's complete chaos. And it's hard to tell if the wall rider is also attacking security guards. Like, it's that's how chaotic it is. It's unclear who's getting hurt. During his travels, Waylon almost said Miles again. This is going to take some time to get used to. (laughs) During his travels, Waylon overhears some guards talking about what they should do. And one of them mentions calling the National Guard. So is this an indication that the government is involved in Mount Massive? My first thought would be, yes, it's the government must have had some kind of funding for them, and that's why they feel like they can reach back out. But later on, I have a feeling that the government probably doesn't know as much as they know. So the second note, there's a quote saying, I thought leaking info to a few journalists was a safer way. But journalist is plural, and it means that mm-hmm. it's more than just Miles who got it. There's probably a few other people it just makes me curious that, again, originally with my theory, those multiple domes could have been for multiple journalists that see horror and everything. But now I'm wondering, is this going to be related to Outlast 2, 3, 4, or some more DLC? I'm just curious the extent of maybe one of the journalists is finally going to save them all. That's the line that stuck out to me as well, and it goes back to our last topic of discussion. Maybe Hope didn't die with Miles. Maybe there's more journalists out there who are on their way. But also, playing devil's advocate on your behalf, he sent it out to a few journalists, and your theory was Warnicky sort of baiting journalists into the situation. So could it be possible we know that employees have been affected by Warnicky's treatment? Is it possible that Warnicky got into Wayland's head and... Had him blow the whistle just to get <laughs> to set this trap that you have concocted, Kathy. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case, just to kind of keep my theory alive. But I'm not sure because we, at this point in the game, we haven't really seen anything related to Wernicke, and so I'm not too confident in that theory. So, document number one is a memo from. Jeremy Blair, the villain. (laughs) Miss Park is being told that Wayland Park is kept there because he has an undiagnosed mental illness. How many other scientists and contractors are being kept there and being told that, oh, you have a mental issue, I want to keep you now. And then you become from security guard or doctor into becoming a patient or a victim to the morphogenic engine. Yeah, this isn't the first time that we've seen this documented, that David and a Araparua guy, same thing happened to him. He was an orderly. And yeah, Waylon's wife is pretty much being blackmailed, either like, uh, take what we're telling you at face value or we'll bail you, essentially, <laughs> and you'll be in debt. But also, this is addressed to someone that we saw, her name mentioned quite a few times in the main game, Helen. And... I went back because I thought her last name was Granat, or if it's French, Granat, maybe. I don't know. I'm not French. 
But it is spelled G-R-A-N-A-T in the main game, but it's Helen Grant in this game. So I don't know what her real name is. Maybe she got um, married and changed her last name. <laughs> to, to, from Granat to Grant? Like, huh? <laughs> or the other way around? I don't like the A in my name, <laughs> so I'm going to take that letter A out. But arguably a more important topic for us to discuss is how long has it been since Waylon was turned into a patient? Because clearly Blair has had time to go see Waylon's family. I doubt it's that two-hour window. It's maybe been a week or so. I think it's probably been a week or two because he's not completely out of it, having his own ability to think and reason for himself since that hasn't been taken away from him. I think, sure, why not? Mm -hmm. A few weeks. Waylon comes across a very hungry fellow. He's also got a saw, and that will prove to be not the best, as Waylon will soon be hunted down by this guy who makes it very clear what his intentions are. When Waylon sees this guy, he takes a note. I don't know if you have any notes on that note or just on this guy in general. So note four is confirming the cannibalism that's happening at Murkoff. And I'm sure that these people talk about eating humans. And that's why Andrew's the guy who licks Waylon at the beginning. Andrew Earlicker. Yeah, Andrew Earlicker. Earlicker Andrew, whichever one sounds better. Mm -hmm. Earlicker, Andrew. Whichever one rolls off the tongue easier. Andrew Earlicker rolls off really well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's why it wasn't a surprise to any of the other people because the fact that people are into cannibalism there is not surprising for something as tame as licking your patient. So that's why I don't think anyone had a reaction to Andrew Earlicker. Yeah, it seems like the gap from licking ears to exploding heads in a microwave is surprisingly uh, narrow. But anyway, Waylon will then soon find the second document of the game. And this answers some questions for us. It talks about why there are no females in Mount Massive. It talks about a lawsuit originally filed in 2010. And it sounds like multiple females had experienced false pregnancies. And five out of seven died after miscarrying the non-existent child. And then it also mentions that female staff eventually had to be moved off the facility entirely. This gave us a lot of information. I don't know what your immediate reaction was. Definitely a lot of things. In terms of immediate reactions, how are these females getting pregnant? And what is going on? Is that why we don't see any females? Is it female patients and employees? Are there even any female patients So those are my first thoughts, but in a more logistic way of thinking about things. In terms of being pregnant, they talk about it only happening to females. I'm wondering if males can get pregnant too. Just because it's non-existent, right? And so it can happen to anyone. The second point I have is that we know about cellular regeneration. And I'm wondering if these non-existent There are a bunch of cells that start formulating from the morphogenic engine and then it becomes like a fake pregnancy, but it goes for half term. So it's not just a short duration. It's a long Mm -hmm. period of time. So I'm wondering. And it kills them. Yeah. The third one is that in document two, they're also talking about needing to create fake documents for the court regarding the lawsuit. So I'm wondering if they're already creating fake documents as easily as what they're being instructed. I'm wondering, is that what the government is also thinking is happening with Murgoff? 
obviously the government doesn't really know the extent of how horrific this is. But I'm wondering the reason why they don't really have a clue is because Murkoff is creating all these fake documents. I would not be at all surprised. But it, it is weird. And I mean, clearly it has to do with the morphogenic engine. So I think you're on the right track. And I don't know if you get a clear answer. They said five out of the seven died. So there's still two of them who are currently pregnant as of the date that thing is written. That's a good question. Well, Waylon will continue to wander about the halls. And this is where we see I have an itch guy. He's back. He wants to tell us a secret. And he has an itch. And poor man can't get anyone to scratch it. The least Waylon could do is undo his straight jacket so he can itch it himself. So after escaping Feed Me Guy and narrowly avoiding getting cooked alive, Waylon finds document number three, which is from 1961, and it is from a doctor to Father Clark, saying that he'll improve safety conditions for him, and he tells Father Clark how important his work is to the patients and the workers. I just was curious if Father Clark and Father Martin have something in... Maybe that they're directly related, or that one influences the other. I think this guy would be pretty old because it wasn't from the 1960s, but mm -hmm. I mean, he could have been in his 20s then, you know, and maybe uh, Father Martin was a pupil of his and he really looked up to him. But I'm sure Father Clark would be shocked and frightened and appalled at, <laughs> at what Father Martin has become. So then uh, we interrupt a, what do you call those, swirlies? A doctor's getting his head dunked in the toilet is what's happening. And Wayland decides, you know what, this is noteworthy. So he takes a note, and he says that he knows Murkoff is making monsters and references a Dr. Rossett, who said the engine had varying effects. The variant outcomes were too erratic for any sort of prediction. And I think we've seen this, but my main question is, is this what Billy did? Is this what happened with him? They thought they had found someone predictable, but then turns out he was unpredictable and released the wall rider i wouldn't be surprised if they accidentally released the wall rider because they couldn't predict what would happen with billy so the next note i have is document number four i don't know if you had anything of interest from that i did this is actually one of the documents that had the most amount of notes but the first one they talk about psychochemicals and i'm curious if that is the content of those tubes that Traeger has? Or is the psychochemicals used only for patients? I think so. And I think because they talk about chemical restraints a lot. And then we've heard reference to the psychochemicals now too. So I think they're just being pumped with all sorts of things. And I think it's all part of that formula, the morphogenic engine formula of control versus, I don't like, I don't know what the best word is, but just them up you know what i mean <laughs> so control versus chaos almost a controlled chaos i think is what they're trying to achieve they also talk about doing autopsies for test subjects and one of the quote was chemical contents of bodies metallic tumors evidence of subdermal combustion the whole subdermal combustion so i'm assuming that just means explosion not really sure what exactly it means but we also see that sort of thing happening every time the wall rider's done eating. I don't know if he's eating is the right verb. But every time he's done killing all the 
patients. It's like an explosion of blood and there really isn't much left of them. I'm curious if that's related to some kind of subdermal combustion that they talked about. I'm wondering if that's maybe part of why the patient's skin looks so odd. And then we'll also see some just deformed faces in this game as well. There's one guy with an eyeball like halfway down his face. So I was wondering if that subdermal combustion, because dermal skin, right? So like little explosions under your skin. Maybe that's why they look so morphed. I remember Googling subdermal means like under the skin. I think so. Yeah. I do think that it has to do with the body exploding after the wall rider kills them. I guess how would they track that in patients? Because the patients expl- <laughs> exploded. That you know is, what I mean? Yeah. How do you do a, an autopsy of those? So maybe they're not related. So that's why I'm wondering if it's just like within, like it doesn't destroy them. Do you think it's related to the random body parts just thrown around in this game? It could. Like it just an arm blows off. Yeah. A head pops off here and there. Mm-hmm. It could be. Uh, Whatever it is, it's not good. I think we can agree on that. Mm -hmm. So we'll then stumble upon a patient status report for one Frank Manera. And it sounds like this must be the uh, feed me guy. Because they talk about weight loss and him not being able to find something he likes to eat. And then they also say he exhibits interest only in hypnotherapy script pattern 9 in parentheses Wernicke. Concerning drinking blood from the chest of sleeping men. So there were scripts. All of these patients are hearing the same things, the same scripts. And that explains why we hear so much repetitive banter from patients in the background. So even after trying to cook Waylon, failing, trying to cut him up with a saw, failing... Feed me guy, Frank is just still determined, and when he sees that Waylon has escaped to the outside, he's very upset. Waylon takes note of this moment, and I don't know if you have anything to say on note six. My only note from that note is when Waylon writes, his voice sounds like something I wanted while watching the engine. Its only message is hunger to crush and consume. Are they trying to just create something aggressive with the engine and the patients does that tie back into the soldier theory i sense an overall theme of cannibalism and they said that they make them feel hungry and it also doesn't seem like they have an actual kitchen that's for food so i'm wondering if they're trying to make them eat each other and kill them i don't know why would they do that i guess i took um getting rid of evidence (laughs) (laughs) they're just gonna see who the last man standing is it's a cannibalism (laughs) countdown i don't know i saw it more as just like and that's maybe where the variant comes in of this guy frank just wanted to eat people but then chris walker wanted to tear people's heads off the scwdos want to eat livers so it's like there's a mixed bag of maybe what you're hyper focused on but do you think that the engine makes them hyper-focused on something, whatever they land on. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Well, Kathy, they're back. The SDWDOs. 
but there's also a guy playing basketball with a head. But you know what? Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. This could be a similar situation to, I think it was Helen who took Father Martin's finger paints away. She probably took this guy's basketball too. What other choice does he have? He's gotta shoot with something. Come on, Helen. Give them their activities. She's not happy, so she doesn't want to see other people happy. <laughs> exactly. She's too insane trying to figure out what her last name is. <laughs> so when Waylon sees this guy playing basketball with a noggin, he takes a note, and this is note number seven. And there's some weird mathematics at the front of it, which I just ignored. It sounds like his family moved up here with him. Because he mentions they drove 400 miles in a rented truck. The boy's sleeping in the back, nothing but AM radio. Is his family in town? Well, I mean, it has to be because Jeremy Blair was able to go to them quickly and explain the situation mm -hmm. to Waylon's wife. I think they're here. That makes you wonder about all the other documents we've read, like Billy Hope's mom. How close is she? And that makes it even more possible for them to have killed her. We then run into a patient being rather reflective on a balcony, and he says, Don't trust them. They'll tell you it's science, but it's not. They were waiting for us in this place. Billy understood. They've always been here. So this is a question that I have had for a long time because if you remember all the quotes like they're in my blood and they want to get out and then there's this guy saying they were waiting for us who are they and what did billy know i was confused too i don't know my initial thought is they being people in markov but i think it goes beyond that i think there's probably someone behind the scenes even behind wernicke something is going on but I really don't know. And then how did Billy know? Like what? Billy understood. Billy understood what? That they were waiting for him? Is Billy understanding all the stuff while he was under those therapy? Or was it before he went into therapy or even become admitted as a patient? I think that's the other thing we need to know is the timeline of when he was sharing this news with them. Just guessing. Maybe they were patients together before being wall rider patients, they were just patients of the mental institute. Well, after a narrow escape from the SDWDOs and some kind of aggressive basketball players. Smiles, fart! Dressing skins are f***ed off! Waylon finds document number six, and Kathy! It's Kurt! <laughs> Kurt is back! He's not email flirting this time. He's restraining himself. Well, he's not email flirting because she probably hasn't joined the team yet. That's true. Well, and it's a note. It's an email okay. to him, so he's not even okay. talking. <laughs> <laughs> this document is talking about employees, non-patient employees, seeing Wernicke's fairy tales. And this guy Billings mentions that none of these people have ever been directly exposed to the engine. And his quote is, it's one thing for formally sane medical personnel to fall under the delusions of their patients. It's another thing entirely for those beliefs to be, I don't know, airborne. So from what I took from that is, it's like it's spreading. The delusions are spreading. This confirms a lot of 
our questions from the base game, which is you don't have to be a patient to be affected by the engine. It does spread in some way. I'm wondering if this airborne issue is also what gets the female employees pregnant. Yeah, I think it's definitely related. After Waylon makes it back inside, we hear someone say, We didn't choose this. Why should we have to pay for it? Why do we have to die? Walker will kill us all just for being sick. So this kind of confirms another thing about Chris Walker. He is trying to contain the sickness. I just feel like we need more information. Like, I feel like we're missing half the conversation. Yeah, like, what exactly is the sickness? Well, finally, Waylon is able to make it to the radio, only to be interrupted by Jeremy Blair, who destroys it. What an ass. He then runs off when Chris Walker shows up. I don't know how he made it out. How did he get past Walker? Maybe it's because he's not sick, because he's not a patient. Do you think that Walker can only see sick patients? I mean, Walker in his deformed form. Well, that's interesting because I think in his patient status report, the quote is something like, he peels the skin from his forehead because it gives him a truer way of seeing. So maybe he's seeing the sickness and whoever's not sick just flies under his radar. But that means that Miles was sick pretty early on. Mm Mm-hmm. But after evading Walker, Waylon runs into another familiar face, Father Martin. Why am I relieved to see him? You're probably not, but I felt relieved. I was like, oh, you. (laughs) Well, you know what? I understand why patients gravitate towards him, though, because as Waylon passes him, Father Martin says, Another poor soul. Don't be afraid. You're doing his work, whether you know it or not. I could see why you would gravitate towards that when, on the other hand, you have Chris Walker wanting to tear your head off. In all fairness, your point is correct because when you feel like you have nothing to grasp onto, Father Martin's the way to go. He's there to make you comfortable. But at the same mm-hmm. time, isn't that how cults start? Not that I have much experience, but that's how you start to get <laughs> some followings is that you try to be the good guy and it's it's a trap. I think like a cult leader would go like knowingly be leading people astray. And I don't think that's Father Martin's intentions. I think he 100% believes everything he's saying. And so that's why I think I don't think he's as bad as you do. (laughs) I'm not saying he doesn't have his issues. But then we take another note. I don't know if you have notes on note number eight. I do. Just reading the note, talking about needing to kill Jeremy Blair, there's something that him and Wernicke have going on behind the scenes. Like, one's a scientist, one's the CEO or whoever really facilitating the administrative side of things. So I feel like there's something in common with them. And I also think that Billy's related, that these three people, there's something where all three of them need to be killed. But I don't know exactly what's the <laughs> common factor between all three of them. Warnicky is the mastermind and Jeremy Blair is like the corporate douchebag making it all happen. And I don't know how closely he works with Warnicky or any of that. But I think Waylon is right. He has to die and there is no pain that he doesn't deserve. So after going down the drain as Father Martin is painting on the wall, we find document number seven. It sounds like Blair and Traeger, our two favorite people, are golfing buddies. No I don't surprise. know why I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I, was just, I was just about to say that. 
Well, anyway, he thinks that they should experiment on women to gain profits, even though they usually die. He mentions morphogenic engine activity, and these ladies' marrow was off the charts. I don't even know what to say about this guy. I don't know what that means. And the audacity he has to say that seems unethical to pass up on such a potential windfall. What's unethical is literally everything you're doing. <laughs> right. We then find document number eight. It's it's a it's a disturbing poem. Yeah, my initial reaction is what is up with the last word being either bride or table or navel? <laughs> Wait, that's what you <laughs> Wait. Because it rhymes? <laughs> I know, but like I don't know. I just it sticks out to me. <laughs> I don't know why. Don't ask me to explain. Glue skin's table. Well, there's a total of only four lines and they repeat multiple times. I think that's uh what you're saying, but I think the bigger question is uh just what the hell? Yeah. We will see the hell that it's referring to. But here here's Gluskin being referenced again. I'm also curious that this sounds more like a chant. So you know how some of the patients just keep repeating themselves? I'm wondering if this is one of those things that they keep repeating. And do you think this was written by Gluskin or someone else? I think someone else. I mean, if okay. Gluskin wrote this, it'd be awkward because he's writing in third person. I think that's probably the least offensive thing he <laughs> could do. But true. I agree with you. I don't think it was him. We'll see who I think it was pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Well, for whatever reason, Waylon decides that his best next course of action is to climb up to the top of a guard tower. Whatever it is, it's a tall building of some sort. And then he proceeds to just jump across, jump off of it, onto another roof. And as one might guess, it does not go well. He falls through the roof, but seems relatively unharmed, so good for him. Well, that is where I ended part one of the gameplay. I don't know if you have any questions rolling around in your brain or anything you want to talk about. It's more curious how it's going to end because it's going to be pretty short. And so he's going to have to either accomplish a lot or it's just going to be very a boring death for him. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you besides I'm excited for you to meet Eddie Gluskin. I think we'll see why some of the patients, by the time Miles gets there, are so distrusting. Mm -hmm. And perhaps why people like the guy who shuts the bathroom door does such a thing. There's a lot to be afraid of in this building, and I think Eddie Gluskin is pretty near the top of that list. So I'm real excited for you to see it. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to talk about part two tomorrow for a scary Christmas day. I think that the gameplay should be up by now. We we'll probably will post both at the same time. I don't know if we've decided yet. But it'll be there. Go watch it. Um, then you'll know what we're talking about. And do you want to sign us off, Kathy? Mm -hmm. Voice recorder on one. Three, two, one.